0: Hello, and welcome everyone to our Hope Story Circle with the Peace Alliance. It's So nice to see all of your faces. Um, And welcome to Peace On, if you're listening to the podcast. Peace On is your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. And I'm joined today, my name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance and I'm joined by Liz Gannon Graydon who is also on our board and Yelena Popovich who is our teaching peace in schools lead. And we have our special guest today who is Patty Everett and Patty is a longtime dear friend of mine. I'm delighted to be able to have her join us today. Patty, can you unmute
1: yourself and say hello to folks? Hi everybody, good morning.
0: It's so nice to see you. We, we often have people from all over the world so we don't know if it's morning afternoon evening or in the middle of the night oh. so it's, it's it's morning where we are in LA but <laughs> but daddy I, your story is related to your son and we'll get into that in a little bit but you also have a long history in the creative arts and in vocal coaching which you're doing now but you used to perform with me and musicals on tour but you were coaching and directing and choreographing and Working with a musical theater workshop and private vocal coaching, you wanted to talk a little bit about that.
1: Um, sure. Except you just already said it all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I um after uh getting off tour and having my son, I needed uh, to get back into the arts. Um, I luckily I have been performing with an a cappella female quartet called uh, named Grace, four women singing a cappella. And that kept my you know, creative juices up. It kept me performing and being on stage. And then I kind of fell into voice lessons, teaching, uh, teaching people how to sing. Um, I partnered a friend of mine, pulled me into his musical theater workshops as a vocal coach. And then I just started directing and choreographing and staging my own numbers in, within the musical theater workshop. And this is specifically for non-professionals to be able to live their theatrical dream on stage doesn't know at all levels are welcome and uh they will sing dance and act if they want to whatever they want to do so that's been incredibly rewarding and um yeah and then on my side hustle is a voice teacher right but you're doing virtually yes yes which you can do for anyone anywhere Yes, I have students in New York. I have students in Los Angeles. So, you know, we can make it work <laughs> wherever you are.
0: Fabulous. Well, welcome. It's so great to see you here. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to having you share your story with everyone. Thank you for having me. But before we begin, thanks for coming. Before we start, let's um, start with <clears throat> Yelena. If you could leave for the meditation just to bring us all in the room together.
2: Thank you, Terry. Welcome. Everyone, Um, yeah, just uh, find a way to be in your body and connect with Earth, with each other, with yourself, with this moment. And I actually invite you as Terry and Patty were talking about vocal um, to really maybe as you are coming into a moment to See if you can exhale and ah, just let your, find your voice. (sighs) Ah, Just letting, sometimes to come into the moment, there is humming, there is a vagal nerve that we have that can be actually stimulated a bit with humming in various different ways so as we are all muted and you can experiment you're in your space so maybe experimenting a little bit with just humming to yourself and i will mute myself so that I can experiment with that as well. But just it's a hum and notice where you feel it. Notice if you feel it deep in your belly or perhaps in your chest or maybe it is the vocal cords that are really um, active as you hum. So just Mm. and see how long you can stay. meditation communities um, people are invited to vocalize om as a as a sound to really bring themselves into the moment om. So often when we arrive and welcome ourselves to a practice of stillness and getting in touch with ourselves, it's the silence that we attune to. So this is just an invitation to experiment with a voice. And Maybe one big exhale. Ah. And with that, Thank you, Yelena.
0: Patty, want to unmute yourself and yes.
1: tell us your story? Yes. Hi. Um, so I am the mother of a, severe. this is having to do with my son, um, who, I have a severely disabled 20-year-old son. Um, to give you the level of his disability, he has cerebral palsy. And he's what's called non-ambulatory and non-verbal, meaning he doesn't speak and he doesn't walk. Um, he, as I tell other people as well to try to describe him, he can't even scratch himself if he wanted to. So he requires full care. Um, he's still the most beautiful child in the world. So let me <laughs> set that up. Um, so he needed kidney stone surgery at children, at a hospital. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name of the hospital. Anyway, he, he, he needed... Uh, kidney stone surgery at uh, the hospital. Um, Typically, when we are at the hospital, I am able to bring all of my um, help with me. He's allowed both parents. I'm allowed my home nurses uh, to take care of him so I'm able to get some rest. Um, Because of COVID restrictions, they are only allowing one parent at bedside. So um, I had been calling for a while um, to try to speak to social workers there, um, to try to get that lifted. My understanding was that sometimes they make exceptions. So I was hoping they would make an exception. Um, Unfortunately, I was told no um, prior to the surgery but they also told me come in and um, we'll see what we can do once you get here. So that was great. Um, the day of the surgery, I was allowed to bring my home nurse to the, to the hospital um, to get us to surgery. And I had his father on, on call to come in and help if needed. Um, we went to the place where they, you're, you get ready for the surgery, the pre-operation or uh, pre-surgery area. And I was speaking to an anesthesiologist and I said, is there any way I can bring him home Um, after surgery that it making it be an outpatient surgery and he said absolutely not Ryan was very uh, medically fragile and he needed to keep an eye on him um, overnight and I said okay and then I said because my issue is you see how disabled Ryan is I need as much help as possible Um, is there any way to have a social worker have both parents at bedside And he said, oh, if that's your problem, we'll send you, we'll admit you to the ICU um, where they do allow both parents at bedside. And I was like, great. That's great. Thank you. So Ryan had his surgery. I called his father and um, they took him to the ICU and uh, his dad and I were able to be there. Um, So unfortunately, Ryan also has neurological issues and that, night, it was all hands on deck. So the ICU, the good thing about being in the ICU is that we have one nurse who takes care of one patient. So it was the three of us taking care of Ryan. He had a bad reaction to um, the IV antibiotics. So he started having diarrhea. I'm sorry, this is going to be some bodily fluids here going, talking about bodily functions. Um, He had diarrhea um, and he was vomiting. So, and he had high heart rate. So you can picture this. I'm at his head suctioning vomit. His father was at his other end taking care of the diarrhea diapers and the ICU nurse was running for medication. He had, um, about a two and a half hour, three hour, uh, tachycardic event where he had serious high heart rate. Um, we finally got him to sleep. I, his dad and I took shifts. I was able to get about three hours of sleep. I relieved him so he could get a few hours of sleep. Um, Ryan woke up the next morning having the same issue. He um, was vomiting, had diarrhea, all of that. Um, So he had another two-hour episode. So after that, we were informed by the nurse that he was going to get transferred to the sixth floor because his care was not intensive. So I said but we, I need his dad with me. Is it at all possible to have those two, both parents at bedside? And she said, I don't know. You'll have to talk to the social worker. So I said, great. Spoke to the social worker over the phone. He called me and he said, um, so what's going on? And I told him the whole situation. And I said, Ryan is very severely disabled. I really need all the help I can get because not only are they not allowing both parents at bedside it's only one parent the nurse is taking care of three other children on a regular floor so i'm going to have less support less help with a kid who's having just as many problems as he was last night and this morning and he said he said no i'm not going to allow it operator keywords there i'm not going to allow it so I said, could you please come down here and meet Ryan and see what we've been through? And he didn't really answer that question, but I knew he wasn't gonna come to visit, to meet Ryan. And then I said, I cannot, I've only had three hours of sleep in the last 36 hours. I cannot do this by myself. I'm going to have no sleep for the next 36 hours, 24 to 36 hours. And He said, well, then you should just go home and get some sleep and let the nursing staff take care of him. And I said, again, can you please come down here? I go, that is not a reasonable suggestion. He requires way too much care. So he said, "Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to allow it. And I said, I started getting angry. And I said, I'm going to write a letter. And he just was very dismissive and he went, okay. And he goes, okay, well, you know, have a good day kind of thing. And he hung up with me and he hung, you know, we got off the phone. I was fuming mad, fuming. So I turned to his father and I said, this is what's going on. And his dad said, why don't we just try to take him home then? So um, I, we called the surgeon, surgeon came in and he said, sure, Patty, he goes, but he'll have to go home on something called a Foley catheter. If you you need to get trained on how to take care of that, irrigate that, um, and he'll have two stents, so be careful not to dislodge those. So I was then trained on how to care for a Foley catheter, something, a skill set that I never expected to, nor did I want to learn, but here you have it. So um, I was trained, he got uh, discharged, and we were able to take him home. That night, I was so angry. As exhausted as I was, I still couldn't go to sleep. So I started formulating the letter that night. Um, we were in recovery mode for the next week. Um, and then in another week, I I wrote a two and a half page letter to the hospital, to patient management, as well as every board of directors name I could find. Um, And detailing our night, detailing Ryan's issues um, and detailing my interaction with the social worker and how the social worker's suggestion could have been very harmful on a lot of levels to my son, to myself, and that I was going to, through social media, make sure that everybody knew not to take their severely disabled child to this particular hospital because there was no support for family members for uh, their child. I got, I, I was also um, called with those automated um, uh, things asking, you know, what your experience was. And I gave a scathing review <laughs> of our experience. Then um, I got a call within a few days from patient management. And um, she said, can you please tell me all the details? So I told her everything that happened and how angry I was and named this person, oh, I also in my letter asked for uh, the dismissal of this particular social worker. So, um, And I reiterated it again. And then she said, can you please email me your letter? And she goes, and also can you CC the head of the social work department at the the hospital? And I said, sure, which I did do. Um, A couple of weeks later, I got a phone call from that same woman saying, being very grateful and saying, thank you so much for your interaction with with your um, information. And uh, she goes, because if you hadn't told us, she goes, there's no way for us to know. So I want you to know that we have changed the policy at this hospital. And now we're allowing two parents at bedside on the sixth floor. So I was like, thank you so much. And here's the thing. I wrote that letter, not necessarily because it was going to help my son and I, because that time had passed. But all I could think of was all the people that have severely disabled children that go to this hospital, and there are quite a few that come from all over the world to this hospital, um, that didn't know how to speak the language or, or just couldn't not advocate for themselves. And that they were going to have to go through a situation where they were not going to be supported. Excuse me, their child was not going to be supported, and their child and themselves could have been put in a bad situation because of the lack of support. So I wanted to advocate for those people, Um, and that just made me really happy that I that I was help able to help affect change at this hospital. And then I got a lovely letter stating the same thing, and I was also told, and in the letter was told that they used that as a teaching moment for this particular uh, social worker, that he was not in fact fired, but that um, he was talked to. So that made me feel good too, because he needed to step up. So this is not to diss social workers in any way, shape or form. I wanna make that very clear, cause that was a concern, um, but this particular social worker needed to um, be spoken to about his lack of support for a severely disabled kid in their family, in his family. So that's kind of it.
0: Thank you, Patty.
1: Welcome, thank you.
0: So Liz, Yelena, when we spoke with Patty yesterday about her story, we talked about um, how a warrior spirit is not antithetical to a peacemaker. And to advocate for those who can advocate for themselves is something that is so important for people to do if they're capable of it. So Liz, did you wanna speak more to that and about the inquiry?
3: Yeah, something was coming up for me as we spoke Um, and then I'll turn it over to Yelena to do the inquiry. I had this beautiful, um, I love that you named anger, right? Because I think those of us in the peace community sometimes have issues with that idea. And I was just recalling as you spoke, Patty, a lunch I had, one of our dear friends in the Peace Alliance, Ann Creeder, who works at the United Nations. Many years ago, I went to visit her and I was having lunch with her and she invited this gentleman to sit down. And I, I didn't know who he was at the time, but I looked him up later and his name was David Adams. And it turned out that he was the person who wrote um, kind of the reports for the International Decade for, I'm I'm reading it to get it right, the International Decade for a Culture of Peace and Nonviolence for the Children of the World. We had this beautiful lunch and as I was talking about kind of some of the work I did, he said, can I ask you what you teach children about anger? And I had this image that I've used and I said, what I've always envisioned anger is for me, anger is like a fossil fuel. I said, if you're in a place of despair or apathy or a place where you feel disempowered, it can get you moving and going, right? It's an energy that can get you going. I said, but long-term it can be depleting or, um, or polluting. So I said, so sometimes I think at some point we can move to a cleaner energy, right? Like hope or love or joy. But that but I but I think that sometimes anger can be this important step in awakening. And we had a beautiful conversation around that, right? Because he, he said he thinks sometimes um, that we dismiss that feeling that comes up so naturally and can lead us to this beautiful place. So that's what came up for me, Patty. And, and I think, um, for me, and I'll, you know, I can talk more in the closing, and I, I want to have Yelena respond. For me, that idea that can awaken us what i loved was um you know you started with terry talking about using your voice and i love that you help people use their voices and what motivated you to use in this voice is that love connection right and it it started out as that personal love connection but then it can move into that place of connection for others and on behalf of others And um, that advocacy for others. So much of the work we do here at the Peace Alliance is advocacy, right? For systems and changes. So to me, there's so much of that woven into your spirit, right? Listening to your voice, allowing the anger to raise you up. But then you were acting from love, right? The anger was there, but so was the love. And I love the way you wove those into your stories. So I just wanted to kind of name that. And Yelena, I don't know if you wanted to lead us into the inquiry.
2: Thank you, Liz, and thank you, Patty, for your story. And I'm sorry uh, for that experience, for not being listened to Um, and um, yeah. And, you know, to advocate for those that cannot advocate for themselves. Um, So um, maybe the inquiry for us all is to tell a story, when you had to tap into that warrior spirit into that anger that Liz was talking about and were you able to find the humanity in the system and make the connection that enabled the change so how to use that fuel um, and that spirit of an inner warrior to enable the system to shift so that's,
0: um, that's an inquiry for us. Wonderful. All right, I'm going to pause the recording and we're gonna go into breakout rooms and when we come back, we'll start the recording again. All right, welcome back everyone. So good to see you. So there were several rooms open and the inquiry is to tell a story when you had to happen to the warrior spirit and were you able to find the humanity in the system and make the connection that enabled the change? Conversations may have gone elsewhere, but who would like to share? You could unmute yourself or...
4: Go ahead, Lois. Oh, thank you. Um. I- our group was a, was an intimate group and um, two of us had experiences um sort of along the same theme as like patty's you know you know in a hospital mine was myself and then um, carolyn's was um with her mom and um and what we what we addressed was um you know using that anger which you know as a human emotion you can't help but have in a situation when you're you know, disrespected, not listened to, and in in a situation with a person who is supposed to be providing care and they're doing the opposite. So um, my situation, get to see results from that. I I complained about a, a surgeon who had been very disrespectful to me and wanted to delay much needed surgery by a week Mm. because that was his scheduled day to do surgery um but i contacted you know everybody i could think of including the ceo of the hospital who as soon as he got the letter contacted me and within a half hour the the surgeon uh, within a half hour speaking with the ceo the surgeon then called me and was profusely apologetic and um, in the meantime, I had gotten surgery from another ortho, other orthopedic surgeon. And um, a couple of months later, I, I happened to be at the hospital again for a follow-up visit. And I could see um, that surgeon in question coming, approaching me from the opposite end of a long corridor. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm gonna be talking with him. And I, um, you know, tried to approach him with a smile on my face, the same as I would anyone that I was an acquaintance. And he spoke first, and we exchanged pleasantries, and then talked for a couple of minutes, and then it ended with him saying that um, something to the effect that that he hoped that 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 we would be friends. And and I also have talked with one other person who, since then, who has had an encounter with the same doctor, someone who's about the same vintage that I am, because um, this was a very young doctor. It was one of his first gigs out of medical school. And um, and she said that he was totally respectful to her and listened, so I thought, okay, it does sound like that this did what I wanted it to do. I wanted I wanted him to learn and to know what, being a doctor was about. It wasn't just like the technical stuff that you do in the operating room. It was dealing with people, you know. So, so I, I think it was that that was successful, and it felt good. It sounds like it. Thank you, Lois.
5: Yeah,
0: Marianne, go ahead and unmute yourself.
5: Uh, I'm I'm apologizing to everybody because I came in late, but. I was reminded as I was listening to Carolyn and, and Lois of a time when I made a complaint about a high court judge. I'm, I'm from the world of probation. And this man had um, disrespected me in a meeting. And I knew that he'd made some of my staff very, very miserable. And I thought, well, if I can't take him on, you know, who's going to? And it was really difficult. And I had a lot of pressure on me to withdraw this because people don't in the UK don't take (laughs) complaints against high court judges very much. And he had a lot of buddies. But um, to cut a long story short, we had mediation. And at one point, he actually said to me, so you're saying that I'm sexist? And I said, yeah, Bill, at times. (laughs) And after all, and he did actually apologise. But after And then he never spoke to me again. But afterwards, what I wanted to say was that many women who this was was not in the public domain, but people knew, said, I'm so glad that you did that because this is what happened to me with him. This is what happened to me with him. And I had, you know, all these these women were telling me these stories. So I just I had forgotten about it. But when um, Lois and, and Carolyn were talking, I was thinking, oh. Yeah, I remember that. But it was not easy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not easy.
5: But I was pretty mad with him. Hmm.
0: (laughs) Who else would like to share?
6: Carolyn? I just wanted to share, you know, and Patty, you know, I apologize for coming in late, but... uh, I'll listen to the recording, but thank you for sharing. That you know, anger is you know, as Lois mentioned, it's a human emotion, and we must take uh, positive action to fuel that passion for for to to fight injustice. But to that, sometimes we need to let go of the outcome of that injustice because we may not know. What the, out, the long-term outcome would be. you know, I was sharing with you know Lois and Marianne that I had a situation in the hospital as well. And I don't know what became of that, but I would have, I think, really uh, regretted if I didn't say something about it. you know, So take the action, but sometimes, you know, just let go of the outcome and know that you've done your part. And that's okay. That's enough for now, and that that you know the spirit, the universe will take take over and do the rest. Mm. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Carolyn. It's beautiful.
4: Um, I just wanted to follow up with with one thing. When I was really young, I heard um, Dr. King speak. You know, Martin Luther King, and um, and he spoke to anger and about how he, you know, he was royally PO'd, but he channeled that anger in a positive way. And that's what he, that was what a lot of his teaching was about, was taking, you know, your anger and, you know, and channeling that energy, that passion behind it in a positive way to do good. And that's, you know, that's stuck with me for, what, um, I don't know, 60 50-some, 60-some years since I heard him speak. Wow. That's wonderful.
0: We probably have time for one more share if someone would like to share something that's bubbling up for them.
7: I would like to share. This is Corey. Wonderful. Thank you, Corey. So nice to meet you all. I finally figured out how to get my sound to work so I could hear you. Good. (laughs) I'm from San Diego County, and... um, been involved with peace for a long time in different ways, starting with the Vietnam War, as somebody else mentioned in my group. And now my favorite thing to do is working with, uh, offering free trainings in in Marshall Rosenberg's Nonviolent Communication, which I found has really changed my entire life, Um, you know, pretty much one relationship at a time. But one way that I was able to use this recently that I didn't actually bring up with my group, was in my local city. We've been working to stop the 5G cell towers that are they're trying to put in on lampposts in front of people's homes now. And uh, no, people don't even know about it because they're disguised and smaller than regular cell towers, they're quite harmful. And in um, working with cities, of course, they are ignorant of a number of things. this is the, like the environmental movement, you need to educate them. So what I love about this method Is that it's taught me how to build bridges first, Um, instead of just going in and, and sharing anger and, you know, upset and obvious. How do I build bridges? And how do I listen to the other side for what their perspective is? Not only that, but what needs do they need to get met in their role, you know, as a human being and also in their job? You know, like, why would they? Why would they fight against this? What would it be in it for them? You know, Why would they wanna go along with the, the industry that is apparently harming people and not really considering health? So it's because of, of um, all the stuff they've got going on in their head that we need to understand first. So, that, so what I, I learned is how can I be strong and make demands to a city, but also with respect and care never calling out individuals never hitting below the belt so to speak but just talking about the problem instead of people um always you know looking for a win-win somehow but not giving up that's the other part that you guys are well aware of you just have to be in this for your whole life you know persistence and um anyway so um that's a little bit of my story we had a lot of success we got a new ordinance which is local laws passed and we got them um, 500 setbacks from home, 500 feet, which is a lot. It's not as much as we would like, but it's a great start and we got right up worldwide. But it was because fortunately, um, I think it's because we kind of approached it as more like a team with the city rather than just adversaries. You know, it was really good. It was also good timing. We were about a year before the election started and of course they want to be reelected <laughs> you can always use that to your advantage I'm sure you're well aware when there's an election coming up if you have enough people mm-hmm. I also want to invite you on Wednesday, pacific time 5 to 6 30 I put it in the chat there's this incredible thing going on and you can just watch it and they're working with uh, across the political divide and um, showing people how in a very just a short conversation you can get an idea of how to listen to people with very diverse viewpoints. And I would love it if if some of you would comment, maybe we could talk about how this could be used with the Peace Alliance and some of your, you know, uh, trying to network with people. Cause I think it's just John Kenyon, who's uh, worked with Marshall Rosenberg and nonviolence and he's now doing this free of charge. Um, I think he's got a unique formula here. It's very f- short to the point and you have to see it to see what I'm talking about. You don't have to take a course and learn this to be able to use this short process. And um, you know, each side can be heard. So that's, that's what I'll say for now. And I hope you can check it out.
0: Well, thank you, Corey. I really appreciate it. Yep. The science has had a long history with nonviolent communication. So it's um, good to hear that it's being, being used effectively because we have found it to be very effective in our advocacy work.
7: Oh, that's wonderful.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to put a few links in the chat. First, the Peace Alliance, we, our mission is to empower civic action for a culture of peace. So our website is there. Also our Peace on Podcasts, you're going access from the website, and the link is there. The Blueprint for Peace is no longer a new initiative, but it's a very powerful initiative that we've been engaged with for a little over a year. And if you sign that petition, it will end in, in one move send your message to all of your state and federal elected officials that you support policy related to our five cornerstones of peace. Um, We are a small nonprofit. We always welcome donations of any size and our calendar of events, which is where you can find everything about when our next story circle is, our national monthly calls, and anything else that we're aware of that we're trying to let our network know about. So those are the Those are the PSAs for the day, and I'm going to hand it back to Liz to close it up.
3: Hi, everybody. I want to share two brief anecdotes that I'm going to weave together to send us off into the next two weeks. I have homeschooled my children. And when my 19 year old was just eight years old, you know, every year when I was a regular teacher, I used to kind of try to get in touch with my students and and what was important to them. And so it was the first day of classes in third grade when he was eight. And I said, this is what the state of New York is gonna make you learn. But if you could learn anything else, what would it be? And he said, mom, I know what I wanna learn but it's gonna make you angry. And I thought you're eight years old, what are you gonna say? And he said, mom, I wanna learn to be a warrior. And I said, oh. I said, well, you know, there are lots of ways to engage your warrior spirit, right? I said, you can be a warrior on behalf of women and children. You can be a warrior on behalf of the planet. There are lots of ways to tap into your warrior spirit, but I'd never kind of engaged mine. And then four years ago, a friend came over to our home and he said, Liz, I'm bringing a a Peruvian elder over to dinner. I want you to meet him. And we started to have a lovely evening. He only spoke Spanish and, and his native language, but I my Spanish was pretty good. And so um, partway through the evening, I realized I had this opportunity. So I said, can I ask you a question? And he said, yes. And I said, what is it that you know that I have forgotten that I need to remember in this moment if I'm going to do the work I came to the planet to do? And he smiled. And then we talked for five hours, but I can say it, one thing in in, in two sentences. <laughs> And he said, you have three main energies you work through. You are a teacher, you are a warrior, and you are a mystic. And he said, when you find the balance among those three energies, you will know how to act in the world, right? And those of us who are peacemakers sometimes have a hard time making peace with a warrior energy. Um, So what I wanted to offer to you guys as we move into our weeks are kind of... Can you think of some of the animating energies that you have, and how could we honor them and find balance in them? Right. For me, I've been trying to honor the the teacher, the warrior, and the mystic, and it's been this beautiful journey. So I invite you to kind of look at the energies that you feel animate you most, or the roles that animate you most. Um, and what I love about Patty's story is so many of us who came who come to these calls or who are involved in peace work, it's because we understand that there's advocacy on behalf of the vulnerable, right? Whether it's our own child, whether it's other people or as um, Corey said, right? Populations, you know, the planet, right? There are so many vulnerabilities we need to act on behalf. So I invite you to think about kind of who you're called to act on behalf of and how you can find a balance in the energies you bring to the table. I love you all. yeah, and I wish you a beautiful uh, couple of weeks until we meet again.
0: Yeah, feel free to unmute yourself and say goodbye. Love you all, have a great day. Love you. Maddie, thank you
1: so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, thank, you. thank you, everybody.
6: Great yes. to see your smiling faces. <laughs> yeah. Thanks.
0: Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.